You're listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, brought to you by the Raven Creek Social Club, where we talk about faith and other oddities. For questions, comments, or to be part of the conversation, join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find us at Raven Creek SC. Now for your hosts, Emily Dixon and Nathan Underwood. Well, everyone, welcome back to Faith and Other Oddities. Uh, we're glad you're here. We're jumping into Samson again, uh, trying to figure out what is going on with that guy. That's a good question. <laughs> I, th- I think if we manage to figure out what's going on with him, then we will have trumped like every other Bible commentator out there. So let's not get too ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say I'm not holding out much hope. <laughs> so, well, well, if we do, we can collect this all and write a book. Hey, I like that. Uh, can we get a ghostwriter? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. here are the notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because who has time to actually finish a book? So, but yeah, we left off Samson. He had been. You're just going to throw that out there, huh? Uh, We're both guilty. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for lack of trying. No, no. We've just had crazy lives lately. But speaking of crazy lives, uh, we've got Samson and we'd left him. He'd been handed over to the Philistines by the Judahites. Judahites. That's a weird title it is a funny title but um, not funny it's just it's strange it's, it's strange to the english yes speaker <laughs> so yeah he he's got this this jawbone of a donkey and and he's killing philistines with them and i you know that's one of our famous samson stories that i think we're all kind of familiar with and it, it's it's a really weird weapon and we kind of talked about yeah well i just remember you know because back when we were growing up uh, the NIV was still controversial, mm-hmm. and I do remember getting to hear this in in Bible school and getting to be like, "They said ass, right?" You know, because they're <laughs> talking about because we in the KJV, it's the jawbone of an ass. an ass, yeah. And so I do remember that from from Sunday school and being like, "Hee hee hee." Well, that that's what was always funny to me is the stuff you found in the Bible that you weren't allowed to repeat, and so, exactly, but only if you had the KJV. So. But yeah, he, he's had this, this fight with them. And what's interesting about this, if you'll notice everything that Samson uses, it really, it's, it's animal. Uh, we start with the lion and the honey. Mm-hmm. The, then we've got the foxes. Mm-hmm. Now we have the jawbone of an, of an ass or a donkey. So you know, you get me saying it. And Webb actually, he said that when under the influence of God's spirit, the animal serves Samson and he's able to reclaim them even from death to serve him. And so in doing this, Webb sees a connection with Adam and the original dominion over nature and having control over the animals. Okay. And, you know, that fits with this quasi divine uh, characteristic that we've been seeing with Samson. And, you know, he's using all the stuff and he has these advantages, but he's wholly unworthy of the status. And, you know, in some ways by using these things, he's becoming less human. He's actually becoming more savage. And in doing so, he's, he's simultaneously becoming more savage, but he's also becoming more Philistine. He's becoming more Canaanite. Mm-hmm. He's becoming everything that humanity is not supposed to be. Right. So, and, oh, by the way, we should mention that we are in chapter 15 and this is, yeah. Verse 16. Sorry. Yeah. We, when you do this episode after episode, we forget. Yeah. Sometimes. We, we kind of have no format, really. We don't. So, but Samson, he, he kills these, these Philistines and um, he sings this song of victory. 
With the jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have struck down a thousand man, uh, men. So it, it's very clever. If you read it in the Hebrew, the word for donkey and heaps is very close. So you've got this very repetitious sound, mm-hmm. and it's almost kind of a chant. And um, fill in the blanks. You can fill in the blanks of one line with another. With, with Hebrew poetry, you say one line and then you offer a little snippet, but you're supposed to fill in that little snippet with the line before. So um, it's the second line is completed by the fourth line, heaps upon heaps. I've struck down a thousand men. It, it, it's very complex. And um, I have made and I have struck, they, they fit together mm-hmm. to give you a very well-crafted verse is what I'm trying to get at. This is, we read it in English and it loses all sorts of stuff. Sure. But when you read it in Hebrew, this is kind of, it's a counterpoint to the savagery. Mm -hmm. The fact that Samson is able to kind of rise above the savage person and give you this poem makes you wonder about his nature all the more. Sure. And so... The other thing to take out of this, there's no mention of God in any of this. Uh, uh, all the praise in the song is, is to Samson, by Samson, for, for Samson, Samson, about Samson. Hmm. And he even renames the place Jawbone Hill. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is what it amounts to. Now, contrast this with all the names that everybody has been giving places in Genesis. I was just thinking of like, it sounds like a country album. <laughs> right. Like, or band, even. Or Raven Creek, or <laughs> so. Anyway, you know, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it just it just struck me when 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 you hear it said aloud. Now, now we need to like we need to do that album. That would be funny. No, but okay. But contrast this with the places in Genesis. You've got Bethel. You've mm-hmm. got. Uh, I'm trying to remember other names, but almost all the names in Genesis commemorate a place where God has appeared. Mm-hmm. Samson again, doesn't reference God at all. So it's not just God who's not talking to Samson. It's Samson who's not even talking to or about God. Yeah. He's and, naming, after, ma- naming it after his own works. Yeah. Yeah. So verse 18, he, um, we kind of have this glimmer of hope. It says, and he was very thirsty and he called upon the Lord and said, you have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant. Shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? You talk about a loaded verse. That, I mean, that, that verse sounds very uh, arrogant yeah. to me, for one, because he didn't ask about it. He just did it. Mm-hmm. And, then he's, and then he's saying, look what I did for you, God. Yeah. yeah. Are you, are you going to let me die because I did something for you? Right. And this is the first time he's called out to God. Mm-hmm. It, he's never prayed at any point in this until now. And now he's thirsty mm-hmm. and he's going to call out to God. And so, okay, I've got an Emily edit here because uh, I kind of rewrote it according to what I think he's actually saying. Okay. You saved me from the consequences of my selfish decisions. Mm-hmm. So I must be as important as Moses, your servant. Surely you wouldn't let someone this important die and fall into the hands of the people I couldn't wait to get in bed with. I mean, he's... He's yeah, fair enough. That, that's not a literal translation. That's an Emily that's, edit. <laughs> that's a yeah. That's that's a paraphrase. Yeah, because well, and he, you know, I just want to make that clear that you're not saying this is what the Hebrew actually no, says. No, no, this is not a literal translation <laughs> at all. But when you when you read kind of between the lines and you look at his attitude throughout, I think one of the things you see is he's got this huge ego, 
He, he thinks of himself more than he thinks of anyone, including God, uh, definitely his parents. Uh, his parents told him, you don't want to marry that Philistine woman because she's from the uncircumcised people. You know, he, this is their objection. And now he's going to turn around and try to use this fact to blackmail God into mm-hmm. taking care of him. I mean, talk about hubris. I mean, this guy is arrogant in all extremes. And to call himself my servant, he's identifying himself with Moses. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, he just makes you want to reach back through time and rattle him a good one to see if he'll actually, you know, fall into line with what God's doing. Right. But God is gracious. And in verse 19, I, I really think we're seeing... Not only is God gracious, you were seeing his humor on display because God splits open the hollow place in the ground. Mm-hmm. And usually this, this word means mortar. So like, you know, the mortar between rocks and water comes out of it, just like it did in the desert for the children of Israel during the Exodus. And Samson drinks, his spirit returns and he's revived. And I really think this is God, you know, if you're, <laughs> I've had this philosophy with people for a long time. If you're going to give somebody enough rope to hang themselves, Give them enough to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And I really think this is what God's doing. I think it's a setup. I think he's trying to give Samson enough rope that he can really, if he wants to be self-destructive, he can be self-destructive. And Well, and that, that's kind of the attitude that Samson's kind of had towards the Philistines that, mm-hmm. oh, well, you brought this on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anytime that he attacks them, he's like, well... It was your fault because you made me attack you. And so I think God's kind of turning that attitude back on Samson. Yeah. I, and that's the thing. Samson and the Philistines are so identical in this. And I think it's hard to miss that. And, and I think one of the things we need to do is be careful not to read this as approval. Right. And, and we're going to find there's going to be a couple other times uh, moving forward through Judges. Success does not equal approval. And I think that's a very tangible lesson we can see mm-hmm. today. And we need to hang on to that, that God isn't necessarily blessing someone because they deserve it. He, he might be blessing someone because it aligns with his purposes. Mm-hmm. And we may not be able to see the purposes, but they are going to be fulfilled because he's God and he gets to have it his way, period. And so to drive this, this point home, the, the, uh, as far as Samson's arrogance, the writer concludes it with two more uh, little details. Number one, Samson calls the spring. Uh, he names it, and it literally means the spring of him who called. Not the spring that God provided me mm-hmm. when I called, or the spring is for me. Mm-hmm. I was the one who called, and this is the reason why it's important, because I called out. Right. And then it says Samson rules for 20 years. There's nothing about peace. He does not rule in peace for 20 years. And it's still called the days of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Now, this is another um, thing that sets Samson's story apart from the other judges in that this is the completion of his story. All the other judges, their stories end with, and they ruled, you know, 20, 40, 80 yep. years. And that's the end. So this should be where his story ends is it, what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, Samson can never do anything the way you're supposed to do it. <laughs> so we move into to chapter 16. 
And as we move into chapter 16, Samson's in Gaza. Um, Gaza is kind of an interesting city. It's got a lot of history. Uh, it's still making history today. Mm-hmm. We can turn on the news on almost any station, almost any day in our lifetime and hear something about Gaza. Uh, so Gaza was also called, called Aza, and it means the fortified or the strong. Okay. It's one of the five chief cities of the Philistines. It's a highly, highly valuable military position uh, as it was the closest city in the area to Egypt. And Egypt is going to be a major threat to Israel later on in their, their future. It withstood a siege from Alexander the Great for five months. So when it says it's fortified, it means it's fortified. Sounds about right. Yeah. Joshua was unable to defeat it. That's in Joshua 13, 1 through 7. Okay. It remains a Philistine city until the reign of King David. It's one of the oldest continuously occupied cities in the world. Right. Uh, it's still the center of conflict. It's mentioned in Acts 8.26 with the Ethiopian eunuch. He mm-hmm. was in the same area. Uh, by 346 to 395 AD, it becomes a Christian city. In 634 AD, it's conquered by the Muslims, and there's an ongoing battle for the position of the city you know, between Jews, Christians, and Muslims. Um, that goes right on up through the Crusades with Saladin finally taking it back. And that's just some interesting things I found. But for the story, what's important, it's 45 miles from Samson's home. Okay. So, and, that's, and that's quite the trek in that day. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's the kind of trip it takes. For one, it takes several days to make just a 45, I mean, 45 mile trip. We, now we can do it in 45 minutes. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that's crazy. It, it really is. And when you think about the distances that Samson is going to get himself into trouble, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just so um, the other thing we know about the city in particular, it was it was conquered by judges by Judah. Sorry. Uh, in chapter one, verse 18. But Judah was unable to hold it. So right. that's the first bit of information we're told. He's hanging out with the Philistines again. Samson is. Sure. And he sees a prostitute. So back to that seeing language that, that he sees, he takes kind of idea. And um, he went into her. And this is all a setup for what's getting ready to happen. You know, he, he's in Gaza. He sees a prostitute. He's engaging in an activity that normally produces life. But this is the book of Judges. So we don't do that here. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so in the book of Judges, whenever you see somebody doing something, especially your main character, you should expect a reversal. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. So the, the Gazites were told that Samson had, he, Samson's here. Mm-hmm. So the, the sages claim that what's going on here is Samson had gone into Gaza He'd seen the prostitute. He did not engage her for any of the activities that one would expect. And he's actually there because it's a public place. And being in this public place would mean that the word of his arrival would spread just like it did. Okay. I don't get that from the character of Samson. I don't get that from the text. Right? Uh, the, the other thing that's claimed is that... It's, yeah. It says the opposite right here in the text. Yeah. Well, what's funny is uh, the rabbis say that part of the reason why he's there is to teach her Torah so that she can 
convert to Judaism. So <laughs> they like this explanation, don't they? Oh, yeah. They've used it before. Well, I know a few guys in, in youth group growing up who tried to use these excuses. Oh, well, yeah. When we Didn't buy them then. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I, it's like, yeah, we were, we were doing a Bible study. It, it's, it's all cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. But the Philistines, they've, they've learned a few things. They, they figured out that it's not a good idea to, to just go and attack Samson. So they carefully plan this ambush. They, they surround the place. And we think that he's not, they're not just surrounding the, the prostitute's house. They're probably surrounding the city. Again, that, that subject, verb, pronoun, mm-hmm. agreement, kind of fuzzy with the Hebrew. We're not really sure. But we, they do set an ambush at the gate of the city. So that's the reason sure. why we think that's what they surrounded was the gates of the city or the city itself. Okay. They keep quiet all night long. And they, they wait until the morning with the intent to kill him. Now, Philistines are getting smart. Samson's actually getting a little smart because evidently he knows that the Philistines are there. Mm-hmm. And he, he lays still until midnight. He doesn't wait until the next morning. And we're not told why he decides to leave at this time. We're not told... Uh, if he was aware of the Philistines plot uh, you know, or anything, he just gets up at midnight. Okay. And so without any apparent provocation, it, he just gets out of bed. And because I mean, he doesn't know the Philistines are laying in ambush. He gets out of bed and go, r- goes and rips the gates off the city. I mean, that's, there's no, we're not given any thought process. We're not given any insight into what Samson thinks or knows or feels. We just know he gets up and he rips the gates off the walls. And and carried them to the top of the hill of Hebron. Yeah. Yeah. And end of story. Yeah. It's it's like my it's like one of my it's like my youngest daughter trying to tell me a story (laughs) and she'll tell me something and I'm waiting for the the point and it doesn't get there. And it's like, oh, and then she wanders off. And you're like, well, see you later. It's like, I don't understand. Um, well, and that's the thing. Th- this, is, this whole account is full of like the most massive plot holes in the world. It, it doesn't make sense. Why does he tear down the gates? I mean, okay, yeah, he might have found them locked when he tried to leave the city. But or, wh- yeah. why tear them out? Uh, I think the verse says... Um, and carry them to the top of the hill. Right. Well, I think it, let's see. He tears down the. Um, he pulls the gates out, the bar post, and, all. and the bar and all, and puts them on his shoulder. So I mean, and these are massive gates. These are gates big enough to drive like chariots and wagons mm-hmm. through, and drive cattle through. These are not little gates. Uh, why didn't the men who set the ambush try to stop him? Okay. What What I'm curious about is. Did did he catch wind of the ambush and decide he's going to leave? And in the midst of that, he's like, "I'm going to show you how strong I am," and it scared everyone away. Good I questions. Mean, these are <laughs> these are the things that I would speculate just reading the text. Yeah, it's like you you kind of assume, and but you know where where are they in this? I mean, they they had the plan. Obviously, they felt like they were capable of pulling this plan off. And yet when Samson shows up, they're nowhere to be seen. And here's the thing, the Canaanite cities, what we know from archaeology is 
they had uh, the gates weren't just like setting flush with the wall. Mm. There would have been a corridor, a, a corridor with three stations on each side, so six in total mm. for um, guards, security, archers, and they would have been facing each other. So Samson would have had to have gone through that. Mm-hmm. What was everybody asleep? Where were the you know where's the guards of the city? Forget about the men. I, it, it's. It's a crazy story without a lot of of reason. I mean, it, no explanation. Yeah, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I feel like I'd been taught this in the past that it was that he had caught wind of the ambush. But I think that's just the assumption. I just can't. I can't think of any other reason to do it other than I don't know. Right. Well, unless we want to go back to that toddler thing, like, oh, this looks cool. Well, we've already compared him to a toddler once. I mean, he, he doesn't seem to be someone who, there are certain things that he's very good at, like that song and composing Hebrew poetry. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain level of maturity there, but then there's other things where he's, he's that three-year-old lost in their own little world and I want it now. And if I don't get my way, then I'm going to throw a fit and throw and tear the gates off your city. I mean, that's... It, and so Block um, suggests that the encounter, this whole encounter here, is included to, to prove that Samson is now the Philistines most wanted. That he can't even enter a Philistine city without someone recognizing him mm-hmm. and people being after him. Uh, there's no real great theological point in any of this. Right. Uh, Samson is still being influenced by what's right in his own eyes. He's still weak against Philistine women. And the Philistines are seeing him as a terrorist. Really about the only theological message we might possibly be able to kind of suss out of all of this is carrying the, the gates to Hebron. Okay. Okay, so Hebron, this story is also, Hebron's also known as Kareth Arba. If that sounds familiar, it's because Judges 120, the opening chapter, mm-hmm. this is the city Caleb captured. And so um, Caleb had driven out the sons of Anak. Mm-hmm. Uh, it belonged to the tribe of Judah. Judah, you know, Judah's the tribe that possessed this, but they're also the ones that are completely okay with turning Samson over to the Philistines. And so there's, there's something going on here with Samson and, and the tribe of Judah. Right. So the question is, is he, is he taking it? Because he doesn't take it to Hebron. He takes it to the hill across from Hebron so they can see it. Mm-hmm. And is he taking it there as a warning? Is he taking it there to show the, the Judaites what he is capable of doing it is you know what's the point because there's some kind of message in his mind that he's sending with this because Hebron was quite a distance away and I thought I had it written on my notes but it's all uphill it's the highest city in the area yeah well I don't know maybe it's just maybe he's just like maybe he just has a lot of inside jokes that he expects other people to get (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, he is all about the riddles. I mean, that that's just the well, way. It's like, yeah, with the lion thing. It's like, no one's going to get that, Samson. It's a bad riddle. Yeah. The, well, and the best 
explanation that the sages came up with was that by placing this here, and it kind of looks like a warning to the citizens of Hebron, that mm-hmm. Samson is letting the Philistines know that they aren't together. And so Samson is protecting them from the Philistines retaliating against them. I, mm. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so. I don't have anything against it, but I don't see. Well, actually, I've got a little bit against it because I don't see anything in Samson's character that says he's worried about the condition of Israel. Right. Uh, right. You know, there's nothing that says he cares about anyone except for himself. So we've got this little story here. And then we move into verse four, and I'm going to read verse four. It says, after this, he left a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Okay, that's, our, that's verse four. Yep. Now, there's been a lot of confusion because people skip over that first word in that verse after, after this time. What this verse is doing, it's putting some distance between the prostitute and, and Delilah. Delilah. Yeah. So, no, I've, I've been taught that Delilah was a prostitute, but she's never called a prostitute in the text. Absolutely not. Yeah. But we do this. Christians, scholars, we do this with women who are bad. Yeah. It, it's funny how much Christian scholars like prostitutes. <laughs> right? Um, in their text. <laughs> I should... Probably clarify that. Yeah, I was just going to let you go with it. Well, I mean, it was Augustine. Moving on. (laughs) But yeah, so um, Delilah is not a prostitute. That's the point. The text clearly makes a distinction between the two women. Mm -hmm. It's one little word, but it's significant. Uh, And we are, I'm trying to think where we're at now. Got lost with all of that. So <laughs> I didn't mean to derail you. No, no, but we're given some important information that we, we haven't um we haven't seen before. And we're seeing that this is a completely different type of story in, in Samson's life. Because up till now, none of the women have had names. Not even his mother has had a name. This is mm-hmm. the first time a woman has a name. Right. Um the, she's in the Valley of Sorek. Now, this is the crossover point between Israel and the uh, Philistine territories. Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, Samson's home, uh, Zora, is to the north. Mm-hmm. Timnah, the place where his wife is from, mm-hmm. is to the south. And so he's, he's right back full circle to where everything started. Okay. Yep. And so we're seeing some, this information about Delilah, but notice what we're not seeing about, about Samson. He's not seeing her. He didn't see Delilah. He loves Delilah. Right. This is the first time that, that he loves a woman. Never before has this been something that's stated. And so all of this information packed into verse four tells you that this is going to be a different story. Mm-hmm. And because it's judges, we know that we, need, we should expect a reversal. Mm-hmm. It's always about the reversal. What was the last thing I told you? The next thing's going to be the opposite. So you can see this throughout the whole book. Now, the sages claim that this is Samson's first real sin, and it's in loving his enemy. Okay. <laughs> right? Well, remember, their, their whole line of thought is that every woman Samson has been with to this point has been used strategically. 
the wife at Timna was supposed to be strategic um, to get mm-hmm. to give him a get reason a, to fight the Philistines. The Philistines, yeah, yeah. The the prostitute he went there so the the people in Gaza could see, oh, he's here now. Delilah, they're they're saying he's not being strategic. He's not being you know cold hearted and thought, uh, he actually he cares. Okay. So um, now Delilah's name it's. There are so many possibilities about what it could mean. Mm-hmm. So uh, one suggestion is it's flirtatious. Another is it's to praise and glorify. Another is um, it's depleting or wasting. So contrast that with Samson's strength. Mm-hmm. So we got the complete opposite. Uh, we mentioned it before that Lila is Hebrew for night, mm-hmm. Samson being the sun. But given the, the skill of this writer, it wouldn't surprise me if her name could possibly mean all of the above. Okay. Because I mean, we've already seen, he likes to play with names. He sure. likes to use those plays on words. Now there's a possibility that because this is a Hebrew sounding name, that she might have been an Israelite who has taken up the profession of prostitution. Again, we don't know if she's a prostitute or not. The geography really kind of makes it feel like it, it, she's in the wrong place to be an Israelite woman. And, but at the same time, the men are going places they shouldn't. Why shouldn't we expect women to be going places they shouldn't? Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not sure that she was. Uh, she seems to be very connected and entrenched with the Philistines. So I think it's more fitting that we would consider her a Philistine woman. And um, so the fact that he loves her, I, I'm probably going to make a few people mad here and step on some, uh, some toes. You know, it, it's really popular in today's society to say, well, you know, you can't choose who you love. And, you know, that's never the case in the Bible. In, in the Bible, we are always expected to bring our desires and passions into alignment with God. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then there's going to be problems. And so when any character allows their love for another person to determine their fate, destruction is almost always the next thing that follows. Hmm. And we can see this over and over again. And, you know, one of the places we see it most definitively is David and Sheba. Mm-hmm. And so we see it here. So anyway, what happens in verse five, we, we all know the story. The lords of the Philistines, uh, the, the word here is Sarne. Um, it's only used to the Philistines. We find it in 1 Samuel 27 and 29. Uh, and in that in that scenario, the Sarne are having a dispute with the Melech, the king. Mm-hmm. So what we think the Sarne are kind of like um, governors, they're kind of uh, lords, sure. maybe. But there's some kind of nobleman, but they're not the king. Okay. So they go to Delilah to have her discover the secret. If you're starting to feel like this has happened before, you're right, with the Philistine bride at Timna. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you listen to their conversation, you realize very quickly that they see Samson's strength as supernatural. Yeah, if you saw a skip there, Emily just had a sneezing fit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the difference in this time and the last time, Samson's not going to offer the riddle. He is the riddle. So we kind of up the ante a little bit because mm-hmm. the Philistines are trying to figure out what's going on. The, the strength is supernatural, so they know they need a supernatural solution. 
and they're trying to figure out what it might be. And Samson's going to be the only person with the information. How do you get to Samson? He's already told you everything you need to know mm-hmm. and how to get to him. Put a woman in front of him. Right. So now they offer Delilah, this is interesting. They offer her three times the amount that Gideon captured from the Midians. So three times the amount of money needed to make Gideon a king, a functional king in Israel mm-hmm. is what she's being offered. I, I think that would make me look twice. And said, didn't it say we will each give you that amount? Yeah. The, by the time, yeah, 1,100 pieces yeah. uh, of silver. So yeah. times however many elders there were. Yeah, at least three. And so, yeah, there's, there's I mean, that's a lot of money. It's a ton. If it, like I said, if it can make Gideon a king, think of what it could do for a woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would never have to do anything again. Right. She could set up a nice little house. And, and by the way, that, that number keeps coming up to the 1100. We'll talk about that at some point. The, okay. sight, the sight language has returned. But this time, Delilah is going to see Samson. Samson's not going to see Delilah. She's going to see him. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to see a tip off that there's going to be this reversal. The, the Philistines are very, very specific about what they want to do. They want to overpower. They want to bind. They want to humble or torture him, depending on which translation you have. Right. Um, humiliation of an enemy was kind of a Philistine trait, that this was something that they did as a matter of course. Uh, killing an enemy wasn't good enough. Matter of fact, at one point, uh, Saul's head is, is displayed on the Philistine wall. Right. So you really, to, to be captured by the Philistines was not going to be something that was over with quickly. Right. So Delilah's perspective at this point, it's not revealed. Was, did she have any kind of inner turmoil? Is this a struggle for her? What, what is she thinking? She just seems to go along with it. And we only have one verse that seems to give us any indication of her character. Because that, like I said, that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And for a woman in that day and age to be independently wealthy, I mean, shoot, I think independently wealthy might tempt me. So, you know, we kind of, I think we need to know more than just they offered her a lot of money. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Put it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is this is beyond anything I think any of us can imagine. Because you got to remember, being wealthy and poor at this point in time, it was a huge divide. This mm-hmm. this is not just a oh well they make a you know ten thousand dollars more a year than we do. This is a major difference. So. Verse six, I thought was kind of telling because I'm, I'm looking for clues for Delilah and kind of about her character at this point. And so she's talking for the first time and she says to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one might subdue you. Why isn't he getting a clue? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure... I don't know. I, the, I mean, the only way that that even makes sense to me, I mean, maybe not the only way, but the, but the first thing to, to try to make sense to me for why, why he didn't run off is it, you know, are they, you know, are they out having, having dinner? And you're like, so what, what's your greatest fear? Like, you know, like, like, 
Yeah. I, it's a heck of an icebreaker. She's like repeating almost verbatim what the Philistine Lord said to her. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, it could, I mean, it could just be Samson's ego, like the celebrity status where he's like, oh, hey, well, baby. Hey, well, <laughs> well, what do you want to know about me? And, you know, well, it's Webb suggests that maybe it's her appealing to his daredevil nature. And, you know, maybe mm. I, it, I, I, I mean, I can kind of see it as like the, the celebrity thing. Like, what is it everyone wants to know about Samson? Right. Is there anything, is there anything you can't do? You know? I, yeah. Well, I guess when you put it that way, I hadn't thought about that because it would make sense. That'd be like the question everybody started. Well, how strong are you? Or how did mm-hmm. you get this strong? Or, I mean, we, we do it today. So I guess it makes sense if you got this guy that you know is this massively powerful and can Mm -hmm. you know although of course it is supernatural so i think it would be absolutely hilarious if he was actually built like a string bean you know like steve Mm -hmm. urkel or something i that would be (laughs) it's possible because evidently nobody expects this from him and quite they're always surprised sure and so you know too bad there's no photographs this would be an interesting thing to This is where my mind goes. No, I'm with you. I I think that would be nice to actually have some, some kind of representation. But we we do always see the illustrations. If he's he's Mr. Universe, yeah, and he's Sean Connery, you know. And when he won Mr. Universe, for those of you who didn't know, he did that. Uh, So random trivia from Faith and Other Oddities. Okay, but he 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 answers her, and he, he says, "If this is the interesting part." If they bind me with seven bowstrings, who's the they? He, he, he's kind of hinting that there's, he might have some awareness that something else is going on. Mm-hmm. If they bind me. Uh, this is the first mention of the number seven. Seven's going to be important. It's going to keep coming back up. Uh, right. in, in Judaism, seven is the number of completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a magical quality about it, um, for lack of a better word, and it, it could also have that with the Philistines. But he says if they if they tie me up with seven bowstrings, so therefore he'd be completely tied up. Mm-hmm. It is kind of the idea. Uh, bowstrings. This was would be some kind of animal gut. Yeah. So yeah, again, would, basically, yeah, it'd be like a leather strap. Mm-hmm. And and the way that you would actually, um, from what I understand, is you you pull them as tight. You pull them about as tight as you can, mm-hmm. and then you let them dry, mm-hmm. and they pull themselves. They'll they'll pull the bow in even tighter, even tighter. Yeah, yeah. So it just depending on how it's being made. Now, I, this again, just kind of my understanding of uh, it's everything I've read has said the same thing. So yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't done a ton of research, but just knowing how how I, animal hide does when it's underwater. You mean you didn't go out and reconstruct so that you could like follow through the process and <laughs> try to. Uh, no, but um, I got some gloves wet last year and they <laughs> shrunk right up. Um, For those ones last night. Yeah, those you... <laughs> ones I showed you last night, I ordered some new ones. So It's about time. It only took you a year. So. Well, I didn't use them over the summer. Well, makes sense. So uh, the Philistines bring her the, the Philistines bring her the seven, um, bowstrings and she ties him up now if you'll notice he's not asleep here yeah that's one thing that because we're always told that he's asleep when she ties him up and no he lets her do it i mean 
I, I guess since Fifty Shades of Grey came out, that's not so surprising. But before that, I it's kind of yeah, like... I mean, yeah, basically the only thing. I mean, I, I haven't watched or read it, but from what I understand, that's like, I just kind of think of like, is this all just some kind of game to him? I, well, I really do. I think it is. I, I, I think that's what's going on. He, he's, he's playing with her. He, he doesn't seem to be all that concerned about what she might possibly be able to do to him. And, but you know, he, she ties him up and then she yells, the Samsons are upon you, Samson. The Samsons. Uh, that Philistine, sorry. <laughs> the Samsons are upon the, yeah, that, yeah. Which is just so <laughs> funny that like the Philistines are upon you. It's, uh, it, yeah. It, it plays out as like a bad comedy. Like it, it really, it really does. yeah, it 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 does. But I mean, that's kind of his life in some ways. It, it's that fine line between comedy and tragedy. And but he he snaps the bowstrings. Uh, the description is like flax snaps when touched with with a fire. Mm-hmm. And so we're reminded of those ropes that mm-hmm. and that's supposed to be setting you up for what's happening next. Because I mean, it's almost the exact same scene in verses ten through twelve. The difference is. Delilah accuses him of mocking her and telling her lies. Now she's accusing him of the same thing she's doing, mm-hmm. but she's trying to to make him feel bad. And this time he's bound with ropes. And of course we know this isn't going to work because this has already happened before with the Philistines. Mm-hmm. And um, that's was in chapter 15, verse 14. And in verses 13 and 14, Delilah continues to accuse Samson of mocking her and lying to her. And and this time Samson's response is kind of interesting. He says, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web and and fasten it with tight with a pen. Okay, now we're getting close to the truth. Mm -hmm. We're we're, we're getting somewhere with, with what's happening. And I think Delilah's starting to go, okay, there is something going on here. She's starting to put the pieces together. And this also uh, makes me think that Samson's hair is dreadlocks at this point. It's very possible. It, it, it's very much uh, the idea of seven locks. Uh, this is the first time we hear, and as a matter of fact, it's the only time in the Bible that we really talk about mm-hmm. the, the Nazarite having seven locks. But yeah, probably dreadlocks. Uh, there's not... Uh, it's just... it's. We're not told how they keep their hair, but we do know that brushing is out. We know that styling is mm-hmm. out. So to take seven, to, you know, twist it into seven sections actually kind of makes a certain amount of sense. To, yeah, just to keep it somewhere. Yeah. And, and if the goal is not to have any hair fall out, because I mean, we talked about the rabbis, you mm-hmm. can scratch your head, but that's about it. And you got to be careful when you do that. Um, then, the, then putting it into dreadlocks would actually keep any hair that... It detached actually, exactly it, it actually heightens the effect and so again that number seven is showing up but this time it's not they you know if they tie me up if they bind mm-hmm. me with this time it's if you mm-hmm. he, he's making delilah own her part in this right and whether he's doing it intentionally or not but i think it also shows that he's starting to trust her it's it's ceasing to be about her in the larger uh, you know picture of things as a philistine woman he he's narrowing his gaze and his focus down to just her mm-hmm. and so you know this this relationship is going i don't think this is something that happened like 
one, two, three, four nights in a row. You know, this is something that. Yeah, it, it, that would make sense. <laughs> it, it's I, but yeah, it's just but but the way it's in the text, it does feel like every night there was something different. In in the Hebrew, whenever you're telling like, who this, keeps letting these Philistines in here, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and this time actually with the the loom and stuff, she doesn't call them; they're not there. Okay, and so she she kind of knows something's heading the right direction, but I don't think she full, she doesn't fully think she's getting there. So she's she's waiting, mm-hmm. and but with the Hebrew stories, when you tell a story, you you kind of telescope it down. You you forget about the in between bits because who cares. You, you just want to get to the action. And so, um, now, like I said, the Philistines, they're not called during that particular event, but the next time she calls them in before she makes her next move. Uh, but verse 15, before we get there, verse 15, he says, she asks Samson, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Mm-hmm. And this is a really good question. Can you love someone when your heart's not with them? But we're, we're reminded of his wife at Timnah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you, how can you say you love me? And, and Delilah, she, you know, she changes tactics here. She, she readjusts to, to deal with just Samson, uh, daring him, playing these little games. It, it, it's not working. But the tears of a woman crying and, mm-hmm. and questioning not his strength and not his cleverness, but questioning his love. Yep. That's that's what does him in. He he never can withstand that. And so um verse 16, he says he's vexed to death. And I thought, well, that's an interesting way to describe it, because he yeah. literally is vexed to death. Uh it just takes a little while to play out. Fair enough. So verse 17, he tells her all his heart and explains about his hair. And he says, I shall become, now you probably won't see this in your English translations. You don't, you can't see it in the ESV. I didn't look up other translations because there's just, this is the kind of thing English translators don't pick up on. He says, I shall be weak like any other man. Now, every time before when, uh, that's what the the ESV says, be weak like any other man. Every other time before, before when he has says, you know, if you, if you find me with the bowstrings or tie me with the ropes or, you know, put my hair in the loom, I will be weak like any other man. This time he says, I will be weak like every other man. So little, little shift. Okay. But he actually, I think this is what he wants. This is what's in his heart. He wants to be like every other man. Hmm. He, he's never had a place where he belongs. He's a Nazarite, not an Israelite. He's not a Philistine. He lives in the land between the Philistines and the Israelites. He, he goes back and forth between the two. The, his own people, the, the, the Israelites, particularly the t- tribe of Judah, they don't want him. The Philistines are trying to kill him. He can't be like every man. He, he's got to be special and being special comes with responsibilities and obligations. Yeah. And well, the JPS as an, uh, as an ordinary man. Okay. So, so that kind of carries a similar yeah, feel like that. I, who, who wants to be set apart when it's constant loneliness? I right. Mean, yeah. I get it. So, <laughs> yeah. So 
I, I think there's something there. And that's what makes what comes next so it's sad. This is the one point where I actually have pity on, on Samson because Delilah calls the Philistines. And unlike with the loom incident, she had not called them. This time she does. They come back with their money and she makes him go to sleep on her knees. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, when you've had that, that nitty gritty, heart rending confession time with someone you love, when you've just been as raw and invulnerable as you possibly can be, and you're exhausted because, you know, that there just seems to be this tender moment where she's like, she's heard his confession. She gets him. She, she understands him in a way no other woman has before. And he's finally able to relax. Mm-hmm. And then she calls the barber to come and shave the seven locks of his head. Mm-hmm. And verse 19, she begins to torment him. Yeah. This is the only clue we have of her character beyond just taking the payoff. Mm-hmm. She, she torments him. And this is one of the reasons why I think she's a Philistine, because that the torment and the humiliation is so much a part of what they do to people. Right. Now that makes sense. And what I found was interesting. If you look, she torments him and then his strength leaves. Not when the hair was cut. It's when she torments him. And I'm like, wow, what a, what a reminder. Getting ready to say something very politically incor- incorrect, but we all know it's true, of a woman's power over a man with her words. Mm-hmm. I mean, women can emasculate a man with their words. And that's what Delilah's, it, 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 she's doing. Now, it, is he losing his strength because she said something mean? Absolutely not. But it is interesting that that's the point where the strength leaves. Mm-hmm. It's not whenever the barber's at work, but when she starts to torment him. So, you know, he wakes from his sleep and he thinks, eh, I want to get up and I'm just going to shake free like every other time. No big deal. I'm fine. But he did not know, and this is what the script said, that the Lord had left him. So we have to ask the question, why did God leave him? I mean, did he leave him because somebody cut his hair? Did he leave him because I, was the hair really that big of a deal? I think that's, that's the question. And that's, I mean, that's a hard question to answer <laughs> because you do have, like you said, the, all of the tenses are. Yeah, it's all bound up. up. Well, and I think, you know, when you love someone and you place them above God, and you trust them with things about yourself that you're not supposed to, then it's not really that God leaves you. It's that you left God. Mm-hmm. You, you set that person ahead of him. And so I don't think that the, the hair had any kind of magical property. Right. But I think there was something in the symbol of the hair. In keeping it long, there was, even though Samson's been completely disobedient and sinning everywhere, this one thing was still that, that little bit of a tie, that little bit of a tether back to who he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Even if he disregarded everything else, it was that, that remnant in a way. And, you know, the mm-hmm. Bible's full of remnant language. Sure. So, you know, the, 
the fact that he loved Delilah enough to to finally turn loose that last thread that connected him to that identity that was spoken over him at birth. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's where the problem comes in. Because, you know, you aren't supposed to love whoever. I mean, the Bible's very clear that, that who you love, it's a matter of choice. It's an act of will. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not real popular, but I mean, think about it. Don't marry the Canaanites. Right. What's the message there? It's not just don't marry them. Don't love them enough to want to marry them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Love your enemy. That's a hard one. Love God. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's saying you get to make this choice. And so we have to remember love in the Bible is never just an emotion you get to follow. It's an emotion that you control. Mm-hmm. It's an emotion that you decide how you're going to, to enact and who you're going to let into your world and who you're going to keep out of your world, not based on how you feel about them, but by how much you're committed and dedicated to who God has called you to be. Mm-hmm. And Samson, this is where he keeps messing up. He, he keeps forgetting who he is. And the fact that, that Delilah has been able to take this hair from him it is the ultimate sign that in loving her, he's completely forgotten who he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this, this is a hard thing, I think, for us to think about today, that Loving the wrong person can make us forget who God has called us to be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that's not popular, but it, it's true. And so I think we have to ask ourselves, who do we love more? And are we willing to be obedient? Or are, are we ready to turn loose of our identity in order to follow our own desires? Because I think Samson's a pretty good uh, example of what happens when that occurs. Yeah. But anyway, so God has left him. I'll, I'll get off my little soapbox. Um, God has left him. And, you know, I'm reminded here of Psalms 22. Okay. Uh, Jesus quoted it from the cross. Mm-hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the, the two are different. God, God hadn't forsaken Samson. God just gave Samson what he asked for. Right. Where Jesus is using these words from the Psalms. To, to give voice to his agony. And he's also saying at the same time that this, this victory that you think you have over me is an illusion. Right. And in the end, I'm still going to triumph, mm-hmm. which is ho- helpful because we, wanna, we want Samson to win. We want Samson to be the one who's triumphant because he is the judge of Israel. Right. And we don't want it because he's a great guy. We want it because God promised this to him. Mm-hmm. And so we want to see God win, not necessarily Samson. Right. And so we've got to figure out, if we're just reading the story for the first time, how does Samson become someone that God can still use? And is that even necessary? So that, I think that's one of our big questions that we have to kind of grapple with. And we will get there. I mean, Samson is definitely going to serve God's purposes, mm. but it's going to take a little while. And it's going to be interesting to, to see how long it's going to take for him to get there. Now, the Philistines, obviously, whenever they realize that he's okay, that, you know, he's weak now, they jump out and they gouge out his eyes and they take him back to Gaza. Right. So we've got this gateless city with a sightless Samson. Mm-hmm. And he's you know, this place where he had caused so much destruction, he's being taken back to. So this man who has 
spent his entire life doing what's right in his own eyes, is blind. Mm-hmm. And this man who has had his whole identity defined by the promise embodied in his hair has had his hair stripped away from it. Mm-hmm. He, who is he now? Right. This, this really is the question. Who is he and why, you know, what, it, not why, but who is he supposed to be in this moment and can he recover? Yeah, and, and especially being blind in that time, that was... One of the worst things ever. Yeah. In your subsistence culture, you're, you're completely dependent on other people yeah. at that point. Well, and you know, in the city that he had just walked out of just a few verses ago, mm-hmm. he's stuck there. He can't leave. And so, and they put him to work and he's grinding grain, uh, just like an animal. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is a man who's used animals to serve him his entire life. Animal, animals have been the weapon, his weapon of choice. Mm-hmm. And now he is one because here's the thing. Samson can't be like every man, every other man. Mm-hmm. He is either God's hero or he's a freak of nature. Right. There's no in between for him. And so this is going to be his problem as he is. He's trying to figure out how to move forward is how does he reconstruct his identity after having everything taken from him and being told by the Philistines, you're just an animal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... There's a lot of teaching points that can come out of that that we could just get lost on, but that's probably a good place for us to kind of pause for a moment. Okay, so we'll, we'll just go ahead and hold out there for a little while, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for joining us. If you like the show, please uh, like, share, give us a comment, um, a rating on iTunes, however you like to do that. Absolutely. Um, if you want to be part of the conversation, uh, hit us up at ravencreeksc.com or Raven Creek SC on all social media Mm -hmm. and we will see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Faith and Other Oddities podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you've heard, please write us a review on iTunes or consider supporting us on patreon.com slash ravencreeksc. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week.